What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Lucas Miller. Lucas is a real estate syndicator, and he's here today to talk about overcoming fears as a passive investor. He hosts a podcast on that exact topic. He talks to passive investors about strategies they've used to overcome fears and really take their passive investing to the next level. He has some great pointers, tips, all that for the passive syndication investor out there on how you can kind of you know, get over some of your fears and handle some of your fears. And I think these are these are great concepts. He has a very experienced background as a real estate investor. And I think you know, based on our conversation, he's got a really, really good uh, head on his shoulders. He's very objective, analytical, and you know, very centered. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we obviously talked before we record and after we record, and I think Lucas is uh, a great guy from what I could tell. So you're gonna enjoy this interview. I know I sure did. For those of you who don't know, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy multifamily real estate with passive investors and I split the return. I love talking about real estate investing, stock and bonds, all that good stuff. I love making money and growing wealth passively. We recorded this in mid-March on March 15th, uh, the Ides of March, and we are hoping that as this goes live in May, that everyone is doing well, that the fears and realities that the illness of the coronavirus has passed and everybody's doing well and the markets are healthy. But if they're not, there are great tips and pointers and mentality shifting pieces of advice in this interview. Got to keep your head on straight. And there are some good things about keeping your head on straight in this discussion. So that, without any further ado, here we go with Lucas Miller from Bannock Capital. Lucas, cool. thank you for joining us today. Great. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for Happy to talk with you. Oh, no, it's, it's my pleasure. And you know, we're talking here on uh, Sunday. What is the, the date? The, the 15th of March, the Ides March. of March. I just realized that. <laughs> The Fed just announced uh, cutting sure rates to like zero. It. It's crazy. It is the Ides of March, but yeah, we're not going to focus on that too much. Times will have changed by the time this goes live. Yeah. For everybody out there who doesn't know you, could you uh, tell us about your background and, and what you do in real estate? Yeah. So my name is uh, Lucas Miller and I run a company called Bannock Capital. And Bannock Capital was founded a couple of years ago and it was basically born out of an idea of how to mature my real estate investing. And uh, what I mean by that is basically, I was doing a lot of single family residential um, rentals, fix and flips, um, you know, a few other small things here and there, but it never really felt like a business to me, it never really felt professional. And so um, when I started looking for ways how to systematize and uh, create more of a business as opposed to a real estate investing side hustle, um, I found the idea of uh, commercial real estate investing, basically um, taking pools of money and putting them all together and buying big buildings uh, that are run more like a business than uh, just a residential property. And so that really excited me. And so that was what I decided I wanted to do. And now fast forward a couple of years later, I've got, um, you know, several hundred multifamily units that I'm part of and, you know, we're just trying to buy more. Nice, nice. And you live in the, the Denver area, but you're not yeah. investing in the Denver area, which I found uh, very interesting. Which markets are you investing in? Yeah, so I, 
I did invest in Denver. That's where I had um, some of my other properties. But um, at one point, I figured that we were at the top of the market. <laughs> and believe it or not, that was like a couple of years ago. And so I sold mm -hmm. off everything and kind of moved it all to commercial passive investments and some active stuff as well. Um, so, but now I am focused mostly on the Southeast area of, uh, of the States and places like Alabama, Florida, um, Tennessee, uh, you know, Georgia, places like that, where, you know, you've got this nice, um, cost of living, but also nice areas to visit and, um, good job growth, good population growth, all the metrics that you want to see, um, in a place where you're buying real estate. So. Nice. That's great. And you also host a podcast and I wanted to really get down to, yeah. you know, lessons that you've learned from your podcast. So what's the name of your podcast? Tell us about, tell, tell our listeners about what you yeah. talk about on the show and then let's get into some of the lessons you've learned. Yeah. So I started, um, it's called fear-free passive investing. And the way I started it was, um, it was almost by accident because I started interviewing, um, past new, uh, passive investors and only because I wanted to learn about that. Um, I wanted to figure out how they got over their fear of passive investing and how I could be a better money raiser, essentially. Um, I wanted to figure out what made them scared of things and how I could reverse engineer that and address that. And so um, we've had several interviews with them, lots of really good insights, but you know, frankly, the number one fear that people have right now, um, especially probably right now, I haven't recorded one in the last couple of days, but um, is certainly market indications. Uh, people are worried that either the market's overheated, there's no good deals left, um, and they're basically worried that we're at the top of the market. And I share that concern, frankly. I think um, a lot of real estate is overpriced. I think a lot of people are overpaying for things that probably aren't worth what they are uh, right now in the long term. And so um, just figuring out how we can address that is, is probably the number one show topic we've had several times. But um, also there's other really notable things like how to pick a deal sponsor, how to know the person you're investing with is trustworthy. Um, how can you figure out all this crazy uh, nomenclature that surrounds commercial real estate investing, um, cash on cash return, IRR, ARR, things like that. So um, yeah, we, we cover a lot of stuff and I put out uh, a couple of YouTube videos a week trying to um, under a YouTube channel the same way. And it's basically learning, taking what I learned in the podcast and moving it over into video form so I can help people out that way too. That's great. That, that really, you know, kind of gets at the heart of what our listeners are, are looking for, that type of information. What can we as passive investors, when we are passively investing, how can we, you know, get over some of our fears? And I think especially the, based on when we're recording right now, the market-based fears are probably, you know, the most relevant to my mind, you know, at this time. I've got, you know, deals closing in the near future, and I can understand why people would be a bit concerned about having anything other than cash right now because mm -hmm. there just is a lot of uncertainty. So, you know, as far as getting over that uncertainty, at least from a, a market standpoint, what do you think has been important for, you know, for people to, to deal with and to learn and to really put their fears in perspective? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd say I ask 
the question at the end of every episode, like if you had a friend who was, who wanted to get started in passive investing, uh, but they just didn't know where to start, what would you tell them? And by far the number one answer is education. So um, a lot of people said the more they learned about this, the less they had, the less fears they had. And I really, I truly believe that fear is one of those things that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just tells you, hey, there's something here that you don't know. And so the more you can educate yourself, the more you can learn and download into your brain, the less fear you'll have. And so I kind of look at it that way from an active investor point of view as well. Um, if I'm fearful of something like the market or where things are heading, um, it's just because I don't know enough. And some things you can't know, right? Nobody knows where we're going to head over the next couple of weeks with the virus and with rate cuts and the economy. Um, but frankly, there's a, people that are a lot smarter, that are a lot more confident because they have that education. Whether they're right or not is, um, is one thing. But, uh, you know, I think education by far is, is the best way you can do, especially if you're brand new at this. Um, listening to podcasts like this and, and just being a part of the education forums that we have available to us for free. I mean, uh, that, that will take you a really long way. That's great. That's great. I think, you know, we believe in the the value of education here on this show so much that, yeah. you know, I ask every guest on the show, what is the best investment you ever made? And I actually had to make the caveat that it can't be education because I got that answer yeah. so many times. That's yeah. great. Great answer. But we want to get, you know, a little deeper into it. So that's yeah. fantastic. And then, so you also mentioned um, in the the thing where you, you said about uh, things that people don't know, like the the terms, I mean, cash on cash return, IRR, those are probably some of the most common terms out there. And then they get more and more detailed as we go along. That yeah. that goes back to education on how those work as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it, we, we have a meetup here in uh, local and we were just talking about this last Saturday. Um, it's getting more complicated too, because you have sponsors out there who, and I won't name names, but some of them are switching things up. They're no longer using cash on cash return. They're no longer using IRR. They're switching things to like average annual return and um, just a general ROI. And I gotta be honest, I think that's such a bad idea. <laughs> um, and we went over that at the meetup as to why I thought that, and some people disagreed, some people didn't. Um, the general idea was that it was to make it simpler for people to understand. My argument was that they were hiding something and they didn't, um, they just liked the average annual return because usually that's a much higher number. Um, but it, you know, you, you can make that decision for yourself as a passive investor. If you are educated, you can't do that if you're just going off of someone's word. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, there, there's a lot out there, uh, there's a lot that you can do or, or someone can do with their underwriting that looks like a fairly minor change in assumptions, but at the end of the day has a pretty uh, marked impact on the mm -hmm. return number that you're showing at the end of the day. So that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love playing with those in my own underwriting. If I'm, you know, I think all active investors, whether they want to admit it or not, like to go through and play like best case scenario and how good it could be. But, um, you know, very few people I know that are doing it well, um, actually publish those numbers. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I think, um, you know, as real estate investors, our first 
instinct shouldn't be to try to do deals. Rather, they should be to try to talk ourselves out of doing whatever particular deal we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Looking at, we have a hypothesis. We have here would be my business plan, and then we have to basically try to prove ourselves wrong and see if all of those cases where we're wrong are you know reasonably possible. I think that's really what we should be aiming for. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, as people start, you know, get educated, that's a great first step. But you know, how? Well, how are you getting educated? There are obviously seminars out there, but some of those cost a uh, you know a thousand bucks to get into, plus to travel and all that. And that's a pretty major investment for somebody who's just looking to place fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. So, are there any uh, less expensive or or more economical ways to get? educated you mentioned podcasts are there any books you recommend or webinar series anything like that that we can go after to get educated yeah and you know that's part of the problem why why my passive investor interviews kind of turned into an actual podcast is you know i had a couple people just say hey you know this is good stuff i wish i would have known this when i got started um especially some of the guests that i was interviewing so that's why i kind of started the podcast but i don't want to put myself out there as um you know, the, the resource to, for people to go and learn. I actually think one of the best resources that people can go and learn from, and this is kind of controversial because, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually sacrificing some of my time, but, you know, just interviewing the sponsor, the actual mm. sponsor, having a, a list of questions and say, you know, who's willing to sit down and answer questions with me, um, even if they're stupid questions um, or, stupid in the eyes of, of the passive investor. And so that should at least give you a list of things that you can go and research on your own. Um, from there, you can obviously go to bigger pockets. Although, you know, if you're stuck on commercial real estate investing, you don't want to invest in like a fund of fix and flips or anything like that. If it's just current, you know, commercial real estate investing, it's not always the biggest, um, source of professional advice. I'd say there's a lot of people on there that with a lot of noise, Um, that might distract you. So I tend to not um, recommend bigger pockets a lot, but really podcasts are a huge source of education. Ones like this, ones like, you know, any of the other real estate, commercial real estate investing podcasts will will really help you out. Uh, But the thing is just to whittle it down every single time. And so I talked about this on one of my shows is uh, it's so overwhelming when you first get started that you make a list of like one to 10 just listen to a podcast and write down 10 things you don't know, whether it's internal rate of return, whether it's uh, cash on cash return, whether it's uh, PPM, any number of these things that you don't know, write down a list of 10 and just go research them and get up to speed on that. And then from there, next, next episode, you listen to do another 10 or five or whatever, and that'll really get you going and get to a point where you can feel confident getting on the phone with someone and just asking more questions, more in-depth questions. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, concept, really interesting idea. I think it's a great idea because we kind of have a tendency just as people to, you know, we want to figure it out as soon as possible and Mm -hmm. learning, you, you know, what's up and down in commercial real estate is hard. There's a lot to learn. And if we, start out planning to take it piecemeal. And I think the 10 things is that's a great strategy, an actual actionable strategy that people can implement to slowly learn everything they need to know. So that's a great plan. 
Yeah. And I, I think I'm sure you have the same way. Like you have investors that will not read a thing that you put out. They, they don't care about the PPM. <laughs> they don't care about anything. They'll just wire money, which is in it's, it's honorable, frankly, from a sponsor standpoint that someone trusts you that much, but I wouldn't do that myself. And so um, you start to realize like, okay, what would I need to feel comfortable investing money? And you, you don't know that, frankly, unless you have actually wired your own money. Um, and so you think, start to think like, okay, what would I know, need to know to feel comfortable and then work backwards from that. Um, but at the same time, you got to be careful there from an active investor standpoint that there will be people that will waste your time and just want free education all the time. Um, they will, they will abuse that relationship. So knowing when to say, okay, you know, make an investment or get off the pot. And, uh, you know, there are people that will take that leap and there are people that won't, and you just got to figure out how to weed those out as quickly as you can. You know, I, I think that's a very great uh, point that you make um, regarding someone, you know, wasting your time, not respecting your time is I've had that happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to either get on the phone or, or answer any question you have and give you the, the most straightforward answer I possibly can. Uh, and, you know, the most recent occurrence to me is this person didn't invest, which is it's totally fine. I don't mind that at all. I don't expect you to yeah. invest just for, you know, my having answered the questions. But I was completely ignored after I answer all, answered all those questions. Just give me a no, yeah. man. It's totally fine. It, that, I'm not upset at all, even a little bit. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Uh, but it is, you really, you know, in this business on the active side, we really have to watch how others will use our time because you don't know, yeah. <laughs> you don't know until your time's gone, really. No, that's fair. And in a, a really easy way that I kind of, break that ice because that can be really awkward to mm-hmm. just say, Hey, I don't, I don't have time for you, <laughs> but <laughs> I, a way I've, I've started phrasing it is, um, you know, I, I would love to sit down and have coffee with you and I would love to go over these hundred questions. Um, however, out of respect for my current investors, um, I have a fiduciary responsibility to manage my time well so that I can work as, on the deals that I already currently have going. So can we start with just a phone call? or something. And I think the idea of putting them into an already active investor's shoes, like, okay, this guy's not going to waste my time chasing every dollar he can get. He's actually trying to weed people out that are serious. I, you know, hopefully that's well received. If not, you know, I might be losing a whole bunch of money by saying that, but (laughs) you know, frankly, it's true. Like I, you know, if I was an active investor and I knew all this guy did was just take investor calls all day and he didn't really care about the, his current deals going, I'd be a little upset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, you do have to walk a fine line. Um, but I think most people, you know, particularly someone who say they've, you know, worked their whole career or whatever, and they've got a million dollars in relatively liquid assets they want to invest. I think a lot of those people, Really, they're they're savvy. They understand that you need to manage your oh, yeah. time. You know, no, my ex- those people aren't the problem, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's uh, it's folks that are on the newer end with less capital to invest that are trying to learn everything they can, and that's all well and good. But sometimes you have to respect your own time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah that 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 kind of struck a nerve with me there. I suppose based on <laughs> recent events. That. No, no, it's totally fine. Yeah. I get it. But um, no, we, I think everybody's done that, and you, and you really don't know where um, to 
draw the line when you first get started. And so I, I know I chased a lot of people down for a long time. And um, actually one person came back, which was shocking, but only after he had invested in several other deals, which was kind of shocking. Like he had wow. never done one when we talked, but then he had done a, several others and finally came back. So that was kind of interesting. But. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you're also, uh, you're partnered with a, a former guest on this show and, and someone that I've invested with, uh, Mark Kenny from Think Multifamily. And uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, how you kind of got into the business. Mark is a, an educator in this space. So I don't know if that's how you originally uh, met up with him. Uh, that, is that, is that the case? Yeah. Um, for, for the most part. Yeah. I, I, th- I got started a little before that um, with some, I tried to do it on my own basically for a long time. Uh, quickly realized that <laughs> it really wasn't a good strategy and trying to do everything on your own really leaves you stretched very thin in this game. And so when I met Mark, I was talking to him about that and, you know, he said, well, you don't have to do everything on your own. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And that was a couple of years ago. So uh, yeah, big fan of Mark Kenny. He's, I owe a lot of, uh, frankly, my net worth and my, my <laughs> values to that man. So big fan. Good, good, good. I'm curious, you know, I wanted to ask, how did you, you know, select him, I suppose, or, you know, if that's kind of the way that had evolved, you know, why is there a lot of people out there who are educators in this space and are, you know, good people and, and everything. So, you know, not to single anybody out, but for the most part, they're good people. Um, and why did you consider, you know, continue forward with him as opposed to any other, other educator in the space or, had you considered that and, you know, your whole process there? Yeah, that's a, that's a long deep dive. <laughs> um, I will say that I'm not um, like, I don't get paid by Mark or anything, but I do do a lot of um, like he, he asked, I'm a reference basically for him uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of new students for him. And basically what I tell everyone is that uh, if you want one-on-one coaching, and you want someone who is available 24 seven, basically. And I, I don't mean that lightly. I've texted him sometimes very late at night, very early in the morning, and he has gotten back to me. Um, wow. The guy's always working. It's crazy. Uh, but one-on-one coaching with someone who is, you know, ethically sound, who is doing a ton of deals. Like I think last year we did 21 or 22 deals uh, total as a, as a group. That's, that's a lot of deals going down and yeah. they're really good deals too. Um, so that's, that's my pitch, I guess you could say. And so when I was looking <laughs> for a mentor, frankly, I, I was having trouble finding someone that would do one-on-one coaching that I didn't have to pay an exorbitant amount of money and someone who would allow me to leverage their track record um, to get deals. Cause that's the hardest part when you're first getting started, right? Is, is leveraging that track record and getting brokers to take you seriously. And, you know, Mark's theory is like the more the merrier. And so he introduces you to his brokers. Um, he lets you use the think multifamily brand, which at this point is probably like pushing 9,000 units. Um, a lot of brokers know us and our ability to close. And now that's, um, you know, that's a huge part of, of getting deals these days. So. That's great. I mean, I, I agree. My experience has been that he's very responsive as, you know, as an investor, former investor and, you know, his um, deals, he does respond to emails uh, very quickly. And that, you know, 
that's a great thing. So, you know, my yeah. experience is very similar. Yeah. They might be one word emails, but you get a response very quickly. Like sometimes hey, I'll fine. be like, Mark, here's a three paragraph diatribe about <laughs> what I'm scared about on this deal or what I'm really excited about or what I'm interested in. And he'll just say, yep. Or, or move forward <laughs> or go for it or something like that. And, um, you know, but he's got thousands of emails to respond to. I wouldn't put it past him. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my experience has been positive and, you know, as they, uh, as Kevin said on the office, why use lot word when few word do trick. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, that is a great reference. Yeah. So, okay. That, that's great. I mean, I, I want to kind of sum up what we've talked about so far and getting into passive investing, overcoming those fears the best way that you would recommend to kind of get started is to get educated. And when we're getting educated, a good action plan, a good step that's not going to cost you a lot of money is to say, listen to podcasts like my show or your show or any of the others out there. Actively listen, have a pad of paper, write down 10 things you don't know that you hear, and then go learn about those 10 things. And then just keep repeating that process over and over and over again. Yeah. Maybe once a day or something like that. And you're going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, this is probably a little more advanced. um, But once you do have that, at least basic foundation, very basic foundation, I would encourage you to go to, you know, actual commercial real estate investing events. Um, I think they are incredibly powerful, not because of the education you're going to get from the speakers, but because you're going to introduce yourself to other passive investors or other active investors, frankly, too. But um, really getting that reference point from other passive investors on who they're using to how their deals are going, what their returns were advertised and what they're actually achieving. Um, So I think that is really powerful down the road. But like you were saying earlier, it does cost a little bit of money. Um, so I wouldn't do that right away. Um, I'd get that foundation first. Um, and, and I think that will yield incredible dividends if you're just looking to pass, you know, probably two, $300,000, um, over the next three or four years, that's all you need, right. In, in a ability to just like pull the trigger too. If you see something that fits your criteria, pull the trigger. Mm, Yeah, I think, um, Probably one of my best experiences as a passive investor was in building a relationship with a syndicator over time, watching their deals, taking a couple, frankly, a couple of years to watch how they did deals, get to know them. Mm -hmm. And then once a deal, I made the decision, they they had done a deal and I said, okay, the next one, I almost don't care what it is I'm going to invest in. I'm going to look at it and, you know, decide, but the odds are really, really good. They're going to have to screw up for me to not invest. And then deal comes along review it perfect i'm invested no problem but it takes time to build that yeah and that's that's totally okay too i i have people that are on my email list that um i i have an intake form and one of them is like i'm not interested in passively investing at all um and i have a few people that Hmm. have clicked that and they just when i reach out and talk to them they just say hey i'm just i just want to see deals come across the table and so i take that as Maybe they just want to look at deals for a little while and get comfortable. Um, either that or they're just, you know, trying to steal my secrets or something. <laughs> I don't have secrets, so they're, they're going to keep looking. But um, yeah, so I think that's perfectly okay. One thing I say to almost every single 
past investor I have, um, if they're, if I sense a little bit of fear is just like, Hey, there's always another deal right around the corner. You know, I'm shooting for four or five deals this year. You have plenty of runway. If you're scared about this one, just, I don't want you in the deal because from an active, um, active investor standpoint, you don't want those people in your deal because the second that something bad happens or something tumultuous happens, like I have people email me right now about this market stuff. Um, and frankly, what that tells me is they have buyer's remorse and mm. they're going to make my life difficult for the next several years of this cycle uh, because I chased them and I never want to chase money. I want people to confidently invest in me and um, for them to be able to do that. I need to educate them well enough so that they feel comfortable. But yeah, don't chase money because it's just going to backfire on you. Yeah, that's really, um, that is really interesting. I, yeah, that reminds me of a, someone that is on my list who's a, a newer doctor and um, doesn't have the capital right now, but wants to start getting involved, needs to learn and everything. And, you know, we had a conversation about a recent deal of mine. He said, hey, I'm not ready. And I was like, that's, that's fine. You know, I'm doing the deals anyway. I'm going to be here. Mm-hmm no problem at all. Yeah. You know, keep looking and if you need to talk to other syndicators. I'm happy to refer you to other people. If you want to look at other deals, you know, that we got to be focused on the long run. I like the way you said it about you're going to do four to five deals this year. There's always going to be another one coming. Yeah. yeah and, and I think what is really cool is I have some syndicators that or some passive investors that have said, Hey, I want to watch this deal mature. This one I'm passing on today. And so you know, I'll send them little updates here and there, not a lot. Um, and frankly, I probably should do a little more of that, but, um, they're just like, I, w- I want to see how this deal works out and that's fine. That's perfectly understandable. I think it's the right way to do it. I mean, if you want to get detailed financials, sorry, you got to invest in the deal, but if you want to get yeah. updates about how things are going, then yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so, I, I have no problem with that, but yeah, not getting detailed financials, but definitely I'll give you a little update here and there. Yeah. Yeah. How things are going. Great. So right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Lucas, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Yep. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than your education? Yeah. So you want deal stuff, right? You know, whatever. What's the best investment you ever made other than your education? Oh man. So I guess the best investment I've ever made, and, and this is going to be almost contrary. And I, I, I probably shouldn't say this on a commercial real estate <laughs> show, but uh, the best investments I made were actually my single family investments. And I say that because I don't think they were a better asset. I think I just got lucky, pure luck. That's all it was. Um, I bought into Denver right before a huge run up. Wow. Yeah. And frankly, like I probably sold a little too early, but you know, made, you know, good money on that with nothing more than just luck. And frankly, I thought it was me being a great investor, but now looking back, <laughs> it's like, now I just got lucky. And, um, and, but the, the one caveat with that is, um, I remember very vividly posting about my deal on bigger pockets and it didn't meet the 1% rule. And if you're not familiar with that, it's basically like it should rent for 1% of what, um, what you're paying for it. And back then 
it just wasn't possible. And it was like at 0.8 or something. And I had tons of people telling me I was going to lose money on it. (laughs) And I was like, all right, well, at least I'll have cheap rent for a few years and made like 200 grand on that deal. So that was, you know, I just had a little bit of confidence. Um, and, and I had a plan, right? Like it probably, I probably wouldn't have bought it if I was looking at it through a lens of, I want passive investing for the or wealth for the rest of my life. Uh, I just wanted a cheap place to live. So. Well, I think there's, there's a lot we can learn in there. Right. And, and yeah, you did time the market extremely well. Uh, but I think a not lot on of, purpose, but not on purpose, but it happened. Yeah. And I think the insightful thing that you're displaying here is that you're not mistaking that for being some kind of serious genius. You time the market well and okay, great. We're not going to pretend that we can time every market perfectly well in the future. Yeah. Well, and actually if I would have had the confidence and the education to passively invest in a multifamily deal, that money probably would have been tripled as opposed to just like not even doubled. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) well and that that one percent rule thing is um you know people get kind of uh, dogmatic about it but it's just a metric you know if you're making that one percent rule then you're probably going to be okay it's not you're screwed if you're not making this one percent because if you're really going for that rules of thumb right exactly like all rules of thumb and if you're really going for that right now as the market stands in most of the country you're not going to do a single deal anywhere Mm -mm. nope yeah that that's a bit of an old metric. It used to be 2%. Now it's 1%. And yeah. Like maybe 2% you're not rule. Yeah. I remember that. Wow. That's crazy. So on the other side of that, we had the, the best investment on the other side of that coin. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah. This one's a fun one to talk about. <laughs> um, I, I've talked about this before, like on stage, so I'm not giving anything away, but Um, I was fix and flipping for a little while and, um, to make a very long story short, I have, was flipping condos in a 55 and older community. So not, not elderly people, but 55 and older. Um, and I made the mistake of choosing the wrong comps basically for my flips. And, um, when I went to make the initial purchase, I thought, it was, and the purchase price was 175, and I thought I could sell it for 280, um, based on sales comps. And so, bought it, did the flip. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful, um, but it just sat on the market. And the biggest flaw I had in my strategy was that I bought um, a condo on the second floor, and this particular building didn't have an elevator, and so. I had no way of getting an elderly person up Ah, the stairs. And so when people are buying their condos to basically die in, which people are at that point, you've got to have an elevator. And uh, so I lost probably about $50,000 on that deal. Uh, Yeah, it sucked. But, um, and I actually had a private investor on that deal and, um, but paid her off. She, she didn't lose any money. So, um, you know, I, I bit that bullet and, and that was a tough lesson to learn, but actually it's probably a good thing, frankly, because now, um, I'm very systematized in my multifamily due diligence. Like I, I try to leave no stone unturned, frankly, like it's not possible, especially with this coronavirus thing, like who could have seen that coming? 
Um, but everything you can do in due diligence, I do. I try to. So um, blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, you learned a hard lesson, but the lesson is learned. So yeah. that's all you can do at this point. Yep. I yeah. won't forget it. So speaking of lessons, third question I ask every guest on the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Um, I, this is a great question for someone who's probably just starting because, uh, you know, I think the biggest lesson I learned was to seek help early and seeking help does a couple, and you can take that advice one way or another, either if you get stuck, seek help. Uh, but for me, it was, um, like we were talking about earlier, I was trying to do this syndication thing all on my own, but then I met Mark and it was like, okay, I'm seeking help by getting a mentor, someone who's been there, who's done it, who's done it several hundred times. Um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hire someone, you know, I'm going to outsource it. I'm going to use them to leverage. And let me tell you, it's like strapping rockets to your business. If you figure out a way to find someone who you can add value in some way to them and they'll do the same to you. And it's an equal partnership. That's a no brainer to me. And so that's why I kind of, um, discourage people from being on bigger packets all the time. If you're interested in commercial stuff, because everyone's like, Oh, don't pay for a mentor. Don't, you shouldn't ever have to pay for education and everything is free. Well, it is free, but it's worth about that too, because you know, frankly, no one's been in your position. So the biggest lesson I have is just seek help if you get stuck. And if you feel like you're at a point where you can't grow or you you're stuck, just reach out to someone who has done it before, smarter than you, is wealthier than you, you know, any number of things. Nice. Nice. I like that. Well, Lucas, thank you for joining us today. Once again, uh, folks want to get in touch with you. They want to learn more about you. Where can they find you? Yeah, my website's a great way to, to reach out. It's bannockcapital.com, B-A-N-N-O-C-K-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com or just search Fear Free Passive Investing. That's the podcast and some YouTube videos too. Nice, nice, great. Well, thanks once again for joining us on here, the Ides of March as we record. It'll be yeah. <laughs> May when this goes live, but uh, hopefully yeah. everybody's doing well then when you're listening and uh, for everybody out there, Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. If you know anyone out there who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. Once again, I hope everything's going well for you. I hope the market turmoil has subsided a bit, but if it's not, it's a great buying opportunity either way. There's always opportunity. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.